I wanted to do hood stuff for my friend. Well, you're sorry, hood with me. It doesn't matter what your name is. Friday, September 17th, episode 114 of the Hezzy, brought to you by BasketballGods.net. The moment I realized the Lakers were done, all the hype, the 2008 dream team, then I saw Russ in a dress. Nah, nah, <laughs> I'm, just, I'm, just, I'm just gonna open up with that and leave it there. I got nothing else to say about it. Um, what I'm really gonna start with is actually what I ended with last week, talking about pickup basketball, weekend warriors, people are getting out hooping. It's funny because the fam and I were watching a reality show and they were playing darts and the dude goes, watch out now, I'm super competitive. You know who says that? Someone who's not super competitive, right? Because we all know us super competitive people, we're not going to tip you off. We're going to play possum. I'm not going to tell you I'm super competitive. I want to shock you with it. (laughs) I want you to think I'm not because I want every edge. That's how competitive I am. So pay attention. Whether you're playing checkers, chess, monopoly, or hoops, the cats that are, hey, hey, man, I'm a dog. I go hard, though. You better watch out. Like No one that actually does tells you. I got a couple more hoop tips for you before we get into the NBA talk, though. Never let the dude who's trying to make the teams make the teams. You already know what he's trying to do, right? If there's, there's always that guy where if you're not shooting for teams and you're just trying to, like, make it, quote, fair, don't let that guy make the teams. You already know it. He, that, like, he's a master at that. You can let him make the teams and then swap him. Whatever team he, he puts himself on, you swap him. <laughs> that's, that's how you do it. Um, no, but as this segment continues here, I'll give you some more on court stuff. One tip that I would say is set back screens, right? Back screens are the most difficult thing to defend. Guys don't communicate in time, right? That's one thing that drives me crazy and pick up hoops. Don't call the screen as I'm getting hit with it, bro. You know, what's the point? It's like, that's like turning your signal on your car as you're turning. It doesn't help me. Right. So set back screens, because not only is it going to spring you open, but it's going to it's going to encourage passing and ball movement because guys are going to get layups. All right. We got a little bit of NBA news this week. I think the biggest headline was Aaron Gordon signing a four year, ninety two million dollar deal to head back to the Denver Nuggets. I'm a huge AG fan. Look, he's from the Bay Area. And it's no secret. I've wanted the I've wanted him to come home to the Warriors for quite some time now. I thought he'd be a great fit. I thought he'd be kind of like an an Iguodala type of player for them. Obviously, as a big, not as a guard wing, but as a forward. Um, he's only twenty six, but I tell you what, though, it does kind of feel like he is in the middle of losing a step athletically. I think he's going to lose it early, um, and it's not like he's had any catastrophic injuries. But he's kind of always chipped up, right? I went back and I looked at his seven seasons in the league. Let me read you games played. 
47, 78, 80, 58, 78, 62, and 50. I wouldn't call him injury prone, but he, he's just always chipped up, right? There's a hamstring, a foot, right? A th- you know, just, just little things that, that add up to him, I, I think. And he's such a good athlete that he's still athletic, right? Aaron Gordon losing a step is still probably a plus-level athlete. The big problem I see with Denver is in the 25 games he played for them, just 26% from three. Now, if you want to be optimistic, you say he was adjusting, right? It was his first time he's ever been on a different team, just to the altitude. Defensively, he was amazing, man. I, I really love what he did defensively. I, he had that game in LA against AD, and that's really what he brings to the table, right? But you got to be able to spread the floor. And at 26%, that's unacceptable, especially when you consider that he should be taking wide open ones off of the joke. And, and you look at it on paper and you say, well, Aaron Gordon's a better fit next to Jokic than Michael Porter Jr., right? Because he's a defender who doesn't need the ball. And you've got it, you want to surround the Joker with defenders. I understand that. But if this ends up costing them Michael Porter Jr., this shit's probably going to look crazy in hindsight, right? Like, it, I get the fit. And, and you know what? Maybe it's just an asset for Denver. Like, hey, we don't want to let him walk. Let's acquire him as an asset. And then they've quietly always put their name in the hat when a superstar is on the table, right? They don't really get discussed as a legit candidate, but if you go back and look at the rumors, whenever someone's available, a superstar, Denver always puts their name in there like, hey, we've got a package of this, 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 because they always have so much talent, right? So maybe that's how they're viewing it. And I'm happy that AG got out of Orlando and is now with a much more competent organization. I just, again, let's see Um, what the domino effect is with that roster, because that's quite the commitment for a guy who, again, isn't the most durable. Other news, DeAndre Jordan officially joined the Lakers. Just another awful move by the Lakers. (laughs) Like, look, he he couldn't play in an OP offense that his friends were controlling. So you're telling me Braun's going to put up with his low IQ, low effort ass? Like, no. Dwight won't even let him see the floor, right? Like he's not going to play over Dwight. Say what you want about Dwight. He's reinvented himself. I got a lot of respect for, you know, jokes aside, the back end of his career pause. Now, but I, you know what Dwight's, he's accepted himself being a role player. He's still a tremendous defender, rebounder, and he brings an energy to the court. So I'm, I'm a big fan of role player Dwight, right? But, uh, you know, to be honest with you, if I'm the Lakers, I would have kept Mark Gasol over DeAndre Jordan, at least to have a different look, kind of a break glass and emergency different look for a stretch center. But reportedly, I guess Mark was real salty that he was demoted for Andre Drummond last season. And I would have been too. I guess there's rumors that the Warriors, I mean, is there mutual interest between Mark Gasol? Look, Mark Gasol, I don't think is in a stage in his career where he can give you every day like heavy minutes. It sounds like he's going to go overseas and finish his career in Europe where he can, he can play, he can have a bigger role. Someone had asked me in the mailbag, I didn't get to, about what I thought about this Cleveland roster. And it's kind of like, are they, are they handcuffing centers like they're playing fantasy football, right? Like what, what, what exactly is going on? You give Jared Allen the 100 mil, okay, fine. You draft Mobley, you trade Nance Jr. for marketing, and then they got two other young centers on the roster. So 
You want to talk about going against the grain in the NBA. I understand that Mobley and Laurie can play the four, but should they? Should they? I I I, I don't know, man. It's going to be real interesting. I'm not. I haven't even mentioned Kevin Love, but maybe again, it's just about the acquiring talent and assets. Right now, they've got a bunch of young talent, and maybe they could package that in, pounce on a star player. The problem is, no one wants to go to Cleveland, right? It sucks if you're a Cavs fan because, hey, look, you got your chip and you've had the LeBron years or something that, you know, a lot of franchises will never experience. So I can't feel too bad for y'all. But the reality of it is, is it has to be homegrown, right? No one's going to come to Cleveland. You think Brad Beal or Ben Sim, one of these guys is going to come to the Cavs? They won't even show up, right? So they have to develop internally with this youth movement. So yeah, it'll be interesting to see. They're going to have some jumbo lineups out there. Um, we talked about this, you know, um, a little bit in the offseason, right? They got to get Sexton out of there because Mobley, Markinen, Allen, right? You've invested in these three young big men. Colin Sexton is not going to help them develop. Like you got to get him out. I know they've brought in Rubio. That should help, but uh, we'll see. We'll see. The Houston Rockets and John Wall have decided to mutually part ways. And it doesn't sound like there's going to be a buyout. They want to trade him, right? What is he's got 40 million left? Uh, or is it two years of 40 million per? Ooh-wee. Um, But I don't blame Houston. I had brought it up. when I did a couple of summer league games. Um, we took a look at, uh, at Green and, and that Rockets roster because it's super fun. And uh, it was like, yo, they're going to want to, uh, you know, I don't know how much you want to have wall around these young guys. Just clean slate it, right? And apparently, the Rockets are going to hand the keys to Kevin Porter Jr. at the point guard position. I thought about it. It's like, you know what? I like that. Now, fuck that. I love that. I love that, man. Because, look, Kevin Porter Jr. is so gifted. He's so talented. How do you guide him away from becoming an inefficient chucker? Right? Like, there is a path where Kevin Porter Jr. becomes J.R. Smith. Or if you want to be nice, uh, like his role model, Jamal Crawford. And there's nothing wrong with that, right? But how could you send him down a a course, a path that would make him even better? You say, hey, you're the point guard. We're giving you more responsibility. Challenge him to create for others. Don't just do what you do and get in your bag and score. No, no, no. You're the point guard. You've got responsibilities. You've You've got to set up what we're doing and you've got to get others involved. Challenge his talent. So I love that because they're in a position to do so, right? What about John Wall and where could he go? I've heard three teams. I believe it was CBS Sports where I saw the article. But everywhere you look, most people brought up these three teams. One, the Los Angeles Clippers. Uh, It would be something like Eric Bledsoe and Luke Kennard, which really doesn't make sense for Houston. Mind you, Houston doesn't want to win, right? But I guess Bledsoe is probably a, a better locker room guy than John Wall. Kennard, uh, you know, I don't know. You, you already got Jalen Green and Christensen there. So I don't know. I don't know about that one. It, maybe picks would have to be involved. I'll tell you what. If the Clippers wanted Wall, I would say you got to come up off of man. And then, they, and then they probably hang up the phone. The next team that I've heard is Dallas. I don't know if those two teams will deal with each other. And it would be for Porzingis. Now, on paper, that sounds kind of fair. Wall for KP, both injury risks, 
both suspect locker room guys. And it's kind of known that both teams want to move off the players. So they're of equal value. But ultimately, you look at Wall and Luka, and that's just... Never mind the on-court logistics. You can't risk John Wall turning Luka out off the court. I'm going to be real with you. (laughs) No, yeah, it just doesn't work schematically. Now, I think the most intriguing one that I've seen thrown out there is, of course, a three-way. The Sixers get John Wall in a first-round pick. The Rockets get Buddy Heald and Marvin Bagley. And the Kings get Ben Simmons. Now, if you're the Sixers, what are the chances you have a healthy John Wall and Joel Embiid in, say, May, early June? Slim to none, right? But if, if they were to somehow stay healthy, it seems like it would be a good fit. You could see them feeding off each other, and Wall has become a much more competent and capable pull-up shooter off of pick and roll. You could finally get Joel into pick and rolls and, and you could do that. And then Wall has always been a great passer and decision maker on the court, right? He's always been able to set the table. He just innately did that even back to his Kentucky days. So I think that's interesting. I think Houston would be the, the toughest sell, right? Because uh, again, they're at full youth movement. They would have to really like Marvin Bagley and, and have like a, a, what do you call it? A, it'd be a renovation project with Marvin Bagley. But he would obviously bring shooting, right? But you got Eric Gordon there too. I don't know. I don't know about that one. But that one seemed like the most realistic. But ultimately, you know, good luck. Good luck trading wall. It, it may turn into a buyout. A little bit of warrior news. Apparently, Isaiah Thomas is going to work out for the Warriors early next week, I believe. People are excited. That's a name that everybody knows. A lot of you have been probably following his journey back into the league. He's been killing it in some of the Drew League and stuff like that. I'm rooting for IT to get back, man. I know, I mean, we all know he got done dirty, right? It's been a tough battle for him. I'm not sure he's a fit for the Warriors. My concern is, okay, he's your second unit point guard. You put Poole and IT in the backcourt, like, no one else may touch the ball for like five or six minutes, right? I just, I think he needs to go to a veteran team or a team at least with a veteran second unit where he can just be the mercenary that he is. And the Warriors are, you know, obviously trying to uh, thread the needle with this balancing act with the youth and the vets, right? I don't know if that meshes with with IT. You know, they've brought in a lot of guys. They're working and they're doing their, their due diligence here with that final roster spot. So... I've got another list here for y'all since we are deep into this offseason. I want to hit y'all with my top five breakout players headed into next season. This kid came to my mind right away initially was Emmanuel Quickly for the Knicks. But then you got to remember a lot of this is opportunity, right? You look at them adding Kemba Walker, Evan Fournier. I don't know how he's going to get more time and opportunity. Remember, they still have D. Rose. They brought D. Rose back. But I really like quickly year two. You know, I think it's there was that chance if given the opportunity. So scratch that. I'm not going quickly because I don't think he's going to get enough opportunity. I am going to go with Devin Vassell, the second year wing for the Spurs. You talk about opportunity. No DeMar, no Rudy Gay. Vassell's very polished for his age, right? He's got great shot selection, high motor defender, right? He's, he's FSU tough. And I expect him to shoot 40% from the arc at 
a prolific rate for the Spurs. He should get that opportunity and he should, he's not going to be a star, but he's going to be a guy. Number two on my list, Tyrese Maxey. You saw him show up in the playoffs when you know who didn't. Now, the caveat here, again, we talk, I talk opportunity. If he's traded, he could, if he gets, you know, the rumor to Sacramento, if he gets buried in Sacramento, I don't, you know, that's going to be tough. But, you know, as long as he's not behind a ball dominant guard or a, a jammed up backcourt, he's going to produce, man. He, he has an elite competitive spirit. And then he's just got great size and strength for a combo guard, like in second unit. So I think Tyrese Maxey, if he stays put, he's going to have a breakout year. Staying in the East and staying with a combo guard. Number three, Malachi Flynn. Kyle Lowry's gone. Gordon Drogic, probably not going to ever suit up for the Raptors. Year two for the kid out of San Diego State. He's a little bit older, right? But he's another one of these tier one competitors. Boy has the juice. The concern with him is what he's like a buck 70 soaking wet. Maybe six foot one. He doesn't have Tyrese Maxey's size or, or body, but he has a much bigger bag. The kid's a bucket. Right. And he's in the opportunity is going to be there. They have the length and defense to hide him and let him do his thing. He's not going to be a stopper again with that size, but it, the juice will be worth the squeeze, especially with the defenders they have behind him. So I expect him to put up some some real nice numbers. I don't know exactly what the role will be, but perhaps a six man of the year candidate for Malachi Flynn. Number four, I'm going to go Isaac Okoro. All these guys are East, Eastern guards, huh? Now, this was a kid that I wasn't too high on coming out of Georgia, at least granted for where Cleveland took him. And uh, it, it basically boiled down to, I didn't believe in his jumper. And I really just kind of didn't like his overall feel offensively. We all know he's a dog defensively and he's got the, the physical attributes. But it looks like he's one of those workers, man. That was really the word on him coming out of the draft was, Hard worker, great character guy, right? And then you watched him in Summer League where Cleveland put the ball in his hands more. And he just seemed much more confident shooting because that was the key. It wasn't necessarily that the jumper was ever broken. It was just like, oh, he he's a hesitant shooter, right? Like I didn't like the hesitation I saw out of his shots his rookie year and even at Georgia. That seems to be gone. He's going to play, you know, a ton of minutes for this Cleveland team. So I think he's going to have a nice second year and and hopefully for you Cavs fans, justify him going. He went top five, right? Top five? I don't know. My fifth pick, I was thinking about Darius Baisley. I really like what he's quietly done for the Thunder, even though it's kind of like a G League operation that last season, right? When they sat SGA, Dort, and they just kind of let him go nuts, right? But it's year three for Baisley. You look and you say, all right, take the ball out of his hands. The one thing is he wasn't efficient, but he was doing too much, right? You take the ball out of his hands now with Giddy and SGA back, and uh, he should be much more efficient and continue to grow into a legit two-way wing. And I'm going to give a bonus pick here. It's going to be a homer one. You already know where I'm going with this, y'all. Jordan Poole. Obviously, I keep a close eye on all Warrior players from the minute they put on the jersey. He is just one of those kids who will not take no for an answer. Whatever he has to do, he's going to do it to make it in this league. And that was very clear. You could see that because he he bumped his head quite a bit these first two seasons, right? But now, year three in Kerr's system, I think he's earned the respect of the vets and the trust of the staff through the work. They know he's putting in the work, right? And that stands for something. 
Now, I don't think he's necessarily going to average big numbers, numbers where it like would ju- justify six men of the year talk because of the depth of this team. I think Moody's going to play, Iguodala's back, Clay's back. He's going to have to battle to stay on the floor. You know, there's going to be times where you want him out there and he's not going to be. But I think that there will be nights where he takes over. He has that type of DNA, that type of basketball character where when he's feeling it, he's fearless, right? Everybody remembers the shot at Michigan. When he's hot, there's going to be some heat check nights where Jordan Poole comes in and just takes over for six minutes. And that's the story of the game. And so I look forward to that. So did y'all hear the John B of sports talk, Nick Wright, report that Kyrie and his people have told the Nets, hey, if he's traded, he's just going to retire. And, you know, it was like, oh, I think the interesting thing about that story is that it even had to be said. Why would that even be brought up? I I guess my point is, is that I don't think it's uh, as stable as maybe it appears from the outside looking in within that organization. KD extended, right? I think Harden's going to, right? But Kyrie hasn't signed. He hasn't extended like was expected. And now that that gets leaked out, that's just Look, we just got to monitor that. We just got to monitor that, right? Big football weekend here, week two. I'm doing Niner breakdowns here for the first probably four or five weeks of the season until the NBA picks up. Uh, getting very frustrated with with that little arrogant prick Kyle Shanahan. But <laughs> anyway, that's a story for another time. I hope you all enjoy the weekend. Real quick, I know this is a little extracurricular here, but I'm a big fan of coaching documentaries, sports doc shows right? Where, you know, there's like the QB one. There's a lot of football ones. There's not as many basketball ones. Last Chance you they did the basketball one, right? The last season here. But my favorite one, my favorite one was the Friday Night Tykes. And it was Texas youth football. Talking nine, 10 year olds um, and just how crazy that that lifestyle is and, and, and what that goes into that. Um, and there's a new one on Netflix. Oh, forgive me for the name of it. It is Basically, it's Brooklyn. It's youth football in Brooklyn, New York. And it's a really dope story. It's not so much about the football. It's about getting these kids out of the street and giving them something uh, to focus on positive. But I got to say, man, I was I was taken back when I first saw them play because now let me be clear here. I understand New York and Brooklyn is not exactly known as a breeding ground for for all pro football players. I understand that, right? It just, it's not. But when I saw them play, I was like, yo, if they went down and played some of these kids in Texas, these nine and 10 year old kids from Texas, they may not make it back. They may not be able to get back on the bus because these kids don't know how to move or hit or nothing, man. So I was like, damn, the the contrast of levels of of where they're at from Brooklyn to Texas and, you know, these Southern places, Florida is stark. It's crazy. But check that out, man. It's it's a dope doc on Netflix. I highly recommend that. This is the Hezzy brought to you by basketballgods.net. I'm out, y'all.